welcome back to another episode of the high ground powered by premier companies and this is sal sammy i'm in the podcast room with ryan priest hello your usual host and uh today we got two special guests with us we have uh, brian scheid and you are the director of human resources at premier ag and you also wear another hat of environmental management that's correct all right correct. and then also david grubbs and david and i just met today for the first time it's a big company uh, oh yeah 470 460 employees something, something like that. close to that yes. shad would know yep yeah. That's right. I guess he would. Yeah, know. He knows. Well, I get to that. He knows. And uh, and Doug, you're the or David. You're the operations manager for transportation. That's correct. So all the semis and everything that we have on the road. So this is going to be an interesting, interesting podcast for sure. Ryan, before we get started, why don't we let uh, kind of uh, Brian and and uh, David give their little history about how you got here today, where your career path to bring you to this point. We won't go into David's because he kind of filled me in that in the parking lot. <laughs> so we'll give the uh, <laughs> we'll give the professional version on that. But Mr. Scheid, how'd you get here today? What how, brought you to this career path? Kind of long in the tooth. How far do you want me to go back? Let's go back just to the seventies. So, okay, <laughs> I was in, I was in grade school. Now I, I started. Uh, I've been in the co-op system for thirty-one years. Uh, started in agronomy for about the first eighteen uh, in management as well as sales. Then in uh, 2012, I went into safety, safety and environmental for Legacy White River. In 2016, I also got uh, asked to do human resources for Legacy White River. So as we're here today in the merged companies on September 1, I was asked to be the director of human resources for Premier as well as still uh, keep those health and safety responsibilities. Thanks for all you do because I know that's a big job. And David, tell us a little bit about uh, how you got here today. Not the first part. That okay, okay. I'll, I'll skip that part. <laughs> um, I got my degree from uh, VU in safety management, and I've probably been in transportation industry for about eight to ten years. You know, once I hit thirty, I kind of stopped counting. But uh, so I've always watched over transportation and DOT compliance and things like that. Oh my gosh! And that job just gets bigger and bigger, doesn't it? Yes, unfortunately, it does. unfortunately. Yes, it does. So, yeah, and we've kind of become a transportation company as you, as you look at our fleet as it is today. It's a it's a lot bigger than it used to be, and uh, I think these guys have their hands full, and a team of other folks who have their hands full keeping these trucks where they where they need to be, and and uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation because this does not get any less complex as we move forward. We're like eighty thousand drivers short in the nation right now, or is it eight hundred thousand? Is it eighty? It's around eighty to hundred thousand. So we're already short in the industry, and I think some of the topics we're going to talk about today is how it's not becoming easier to become a CDL driver. Yeah, it's not getting any easier. There's always new regulations coming down the pipe. Yeah, and for our listeners, I know we talk about we use a lot of initials, uh, and uh, CDLs means a commercial driver's license, and uh, there's a lot that a person has to do to become a conver- commercial driver. And I think, uh, like like most things, uh, probably a well-intended regulation that came out of the box, and then it got it kept getting more and more complicated. And uh, and there's something else, something just recently happened to make it a little more complicated on top of of what it already was. So I think that's our first question: is what what are some of the new commercial driver's license requirements that just this is pretty recent within the last two or three weeks, and we're sitting here on March 11th, uh, 2022. So what what just came at us in so the last the, the the February seventh twenty twenty two regulation from the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration started the um, process of new entry level drivers having to take this training to 
uh, get their CDL. Uh, this regulation stems back to probably as early as 2012, um, but it's met some resistance. And, um, you know, like you said, Sal, it, it is here for a good reason. It, it's here to um, promote safe driving. You know, we want safe semi drivers on the road, and it, it's here to help promote that. But, uh, you know, it's, it's went through some hoops and hurdles and things that have blocked it from uh, 2012. And here we are today in 2022, and we've got the new training. And like most things, it's kind of like when you get the regulations, it, it eventually becomes like trying to swat flies with two befores, and um, and this is kind of one of them. So, what's what's involved? Tell us what's involved in this new entry level drivers training. Okay, well, uh, yeah, there's different steps that a person has to take. Uh, there's classroom training that has to be done, and of course, the FMCSA, Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. They have uh, set forth each topic that has to be done, and you have to test on each topic, paper test, and each person has to get at least 80% correct, and all that's got to be turned into the federal government before they'll allow the BMV to authorize a test. And this is, in, this is on top of the, the regular, is this correct, is that this is on top of the existing regulations, so it's kind of like a, a cake, another layer? Yes, Correct. So, I mean, basically you'll have a classroom portion, you have a range portion, which that's just maneuvering in a parking lot, and then you'll have an on-the-road portion. Yes, and that's correct. So to even get your CDL to go take the test to have your commercial driver's license, you have to have completed this course. How many hours are we talking about? Well, that's the fun part of it. Because you read one regulation and you'll find something out, and of course it directs you to another one. Uh, so the FMCSA put forth that there's no required amount of time. You guys pick whatever you guys want to do. That's the amount of time. But if you look down towards the bottom of the regulation, it says that you have to comply with all state legislation, which means that for in Indiana, for a class A, you have to have 140 hours. And for a class B, it's got to be 90 hours. Okay. 140 hours in a the classroom. classroom not in a classroom for the whole course okay so that's classroom range and driving so you're looking at roughly spending about a week doing each so we're looking at an additional <clears throat> additional two two weeks maybe about three three to three and a half yeah three to three and a half weeks and so at a time when we can't find school bus drivers and we can't find and that's just a, a person that would fill in, right? That's not really a full-time job. Mm-hmm. But as, as from everybody from a school bus driver to our commercial drivers that haul the trailers, the semi-trailers, is going to have to do this on an entry level. Yep. That's well, correct. that causes for a long pause right there. Yeah, that's a... That's good. Since we're already already short drivers and the supply <laughs> chain's fine. jacked up, we should probably go ahead and add some more complexity to this. Yeah, and, absolutely. I mean, it's not been very many years ago. Probably not been very many months ago. the The old channel was was some book tests that you took at the B and B office. Mm-hmm. Um, if you did a hazmat, you at that point you would have to get a, a fingerprinted and a background check, in addition to a written test. And then you would go to a tri- a training center and drive. And you'd do a pre-trip inspection. You would do a little driving on a lot. And then you would do some driving on the road. You could feasibly do this in a couple of days. 
yes for yes. for a few hundred dollars and uh, and so with the swipe of a pen we're now 140 hours of of time and it's probably several thousand dollars i'm assuming so oh yeah so and this is this is for anybody who's coming into driving a truck is that correct if you've had a CDO before, you let it go, and it's time to go back and get it again, explain that process to us. Okay, so, yes, you're right. So anybody that had a CDL prior to February 7th uh, does not have to take these classes. The stipulations of these are is that if you're going to move up from a class, say class C to a class B or class B to class A, you've got to go through this training, as well as a new hazmat. But if you had any of these things prior to February 7th, so Ryan, for example, if you did not have your, did not have your CDL, uh, or you had your CDL, I'm sorry, and you let it lapse 10 years ago and you want to go back, you don't have to go through the entry-level driver training. You can just go through what you described as the written test and the, the course training with the instructor and get your license. But if you want to go from a B to an A, which is uh, levels of commercial drivers, if you want to go from a B to an A, You've got to go back and take the entry-level driver testing. Correct. That's correct. So let's explain B and A while we're talking about it. What is what is A, B, and C classes on on CDLs? Uh, a C is just your regular driver's license. That's what they consider a C. Uh, class B, that is a straight truck. And a Class A is a combination vehicle, so truck and trailer. Okay. So then to add further clarity to that, we talked about a hazmat. That's an endorsement that goes on that license. Correct. You can also have endorsements of doubles and triples, a public passenger, a tanker, or if you if you didn't have a designated public passenger, does it require all the classroom time to put that endorsement on your on your passenger endorsement? Yeah. Yeah. So so if you never had class uh, uh if you had a class A that had doubles and triples and tankers mm-hmm. and you wanted public passenger, it requires this classroom training. Okay. Yes. All right. Yep. So, I just don't want to leave anybody out there with questions. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I'm still just stunned. Like even those little minivan type things would like a school would have to have a, they'd have to take this entry level to drive. What's basically a large van. That's correct. That's correct. And that's the thing. It's the only endorsements that you have to do this with is hazmat and passengers and school bus that's and of course you know the license itself like doubles and triples and tankers you don't have to do this that's still just a written test yep, at the still, bmv and you, you get to put on test. okay all right so that's this sounds what's what are we doing i guess what's uh from a premier ag perspective uh what what's our reaction to this well we're gonna we're gonna start offering it i mean obviously that's the company we need to take care of ourselves so uh we are registered with the uh trading provider registry people can go online to tpr.fmcsa.dot.gov one more time <laughs> uh, it's tpr.fmcsa.dot.gov we may flash that on our uh, screen. Um, for the, I, I, still <laughs> yeah. I still didn't get it. I'm still stuck on TPR. <laughs> How big can you make that then when it flashes on the <laughs> screen? Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. But, yeah, we are listed on it, um, and we will offer Class A, Class B. I've actually got a pretty good program put together to take care of that. But like I mentioned before with previous regula- regulations, it's – 
not the matter of being registered with the FMCSA. We've got to register with Indiana to be a truck driving school, and then we have to have teachers registered to actually teach it. So what do you have to do to be registered to teach it? To be registered to teach it, and there's a nice list of stuff. Okay, so yeah. it's not just any of us that hold a CDL can train? You can. You can. Um, you have to have a CDL, and whatever you're teaching, you have to have the same endorsement and level of license that you're teaching. But there's additional steps. You have to have so many credit hours of college and so many hours of driver training. And So of the, uh, <clears throat> of the shortage of drivers that already exist, we're going to take another CDL driver. Take them off the road. Off the road. Teach to teach the class of cdl drivers but the trainers the trainers who have the endorsements have to go could they be the guys like myself who just drove uh, in a parking lot and on the highway and took the written test yes yes yeah absolutely yeah it's perfect sense i'm I'm being registered to be one of the teachers myself well, sign me up. I could yeah. do it too. Sounds like <laughs> perfect. <laughs> well, there's some additional background checks. So you, you basically have to go through again. You have to go through the the same kind of uh, and endorsements checks. are not speeding and reckless driving. So we don't need if you don't get those endorsements on your driver's license. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and the best part about being registered is one of the requirements is is that you have to get two letters of recommendation from people you know that are you're not related to. Why not? Right. Attesting to your good moral character. I wasn't sure who David was going to get those from. But I, you know, well, who's the moral authority uh, that, that today? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, what moral authorities? Okay. So what's the okay? So a premier act, and we're a big company, but we're small compared to Walmart or UPS or Amazon or or fill in the blank, right? I mean. So what's the difference between public and private courses? Are we going to offer our courses to the public? Uh, not, we're not sure at the moment. Right now, we are listed as public in the TPR, and that's just because people can see us and reach out. People want to learn how to drive. And you know, with as hard as it is to get drivers nowadays, I mean, it's a good way to recruit. I would think that would be a really good way to see drivers. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so public was the way to go. And, and maybe in the, you know, in the future, you – you offer that course, but I think, as Ryan attested to, I, I think for recruiting, it, it makes it makes perfect sense. And then, this will sound, maybe it's a dumb thought, but if you're going to start a class in the last two weeks, or do you, how many, will we have multiple classes per year, I guess? Absolutely. So we would just be revolving these classes through every month or whatever the time frame that we could get to get them through. Yep. Hmm. I think the tricky thing to balance will be having those new hires come in that don't have CDLs and just saying, we've got this, this course, jump into it. I think we've got to find a way to, to coordinate new hires, and that's going to be tough because, as we know, they just kind of come in at a certain time, and, and you know, in planning this, this class is, is going, to be, going to be a lot of work. You may have already discussed this, but so should since we're already offering the entry-level driver's training or going to – should we go ahead and have a commercial driver's school at Premier Ag? And, and since we're doing the second part, should we go ahead and try to do the first part? And that way we can front to back. I hope David was on camera when he asked that. 
<laughs> well, I, I seen the. I'm not sure what that. I missed the hand uh, signal, right? Right, yeah. Right, yeah. Missed you're the hand signal. Off I, I didn't get. I didn't get what that look Yeah, why not, Sal? Sure, that's a great idea. Oh, well, actually, once we register with Indiana, Premier will be a driving school. Oh, okay. Well, that's part of the Indiana regulation. We have to be listed as one. So yes, that's the goal down the line. So instead of a, we have a, a new hire, instead of them going to Jeffersonville or Mitchell or Indiana or other testing sites to get their physical license, like you mentioned, Sal, we just start that and do that from start to finish. Wow. But there'll be a lot of lot more work involved in that as well. But A lot of work in that, but I can see that that's a pretty big benefit for us. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. How many, I mean, I don't know how many drivers we have. That's not important, but we have a lot, and I'm sure we're short currently. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could probably still... Uh, utilize some more and we are pretty heavy on the hazmat loads oh yeah yes we are which we will be offering that class okay we have roughly 220 cdl drivers 220 in the company yes oh wow that's a very high percentage from our total employee count. yes it really is at 460 total employees and we're right at you know it hovers in that number but that 210 to 220 cdl drivers holders just to maintain i hope there's some regulators or or uh or maybe some congressmen and women listening to the podcast. What does it take to maintain a commercial driver's license? What are, what does a person have to do? I mean, they've got to get a physical every two years. Is two it two years if your blood pressure is in yeah, line? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And it could be as little as six months if you're high blood pressure and it has to be monitored a lot. Yeah, but yes. So a yep. full physical every six to twelve months. We also have we have random drug testing mm-hmm. here. Yep all the time so that Quarterly. that pulls you out of the seat uh so there's just a lot just to maintain it yes. and my contention is we've made it so hard i'll call soapbox here for a second but we have made it so hard to maintain a cdl that we're losing all the older folks that um for whatever reason it just becomes too much of a hassle because they're just driving a log truck on the weekend or or something like that and that just puts more pressure on the whole system yes well that's been depressing well but but it's uh it's going to be interesting as as i i have a 17 year old son at home and he thinks this is kind of the the path that he would like to take to come in and so um it has gotten harder the cdl thing used to be something that you're like i'm going to get that shove it in my pocket i've got a job if i need a job It's so those folks would drift back and forth into the industry. They might get out of the industry. We talked to, I know several guys who drive truck for a while, then they'll go to construction then they'll come back in, they'll float back in. This may be a hindrance to keep those kind of guys from ever getting that license in the first place. I hope not. Uh, I hope it's a good opportunity to, to come in, learn it, have make enough investment with it that maybe this is the kind of career that you want to stick with. As far as the, the the trucking career, we have a lot of folks that that don't per se truck all the time, but but are required to have the CDLs as well with ammonia, LP, liquid fuels, and everything that we uh, that we haul. They've they've got to have it. So we've got a. I'll try to promote this among other high schools in the area, but we've got a school in our in our market territory, West Washington High School. And uh, they started a commercial driver's class. Uh, this will be the, the second year for that class. And when we're encouraging high schools to, to offer this, and that's a career path for an 18-year-old to come out of, you can't leave the state, mm-hmm. or he or she cannot leave the state, but it's a good way for them to come out of high school, and they'll always have a job. 
I'm not sure that this entry level driver's test will have to to bolt on to that in addition but but uh back to your point ryan if a if a young person can young man or woman can graduate high school or or uh, somewhere in college and have a commercial driver's license in their pocket they will never be without a job yeah cdl's a pretty good property we actually have an employee whose son went through a program at a high school the cdl program and um it's worked out real well for him um, but that's, you know, part of our job, hopefully streamlining this entry-level driver training to those new hires and to those, you know, possibly working with the high schools and getting these things all in one simple process from start to finish. Good. I've got a subject change. If we can change for just a second, let's okay. talk about something a little more, a little more fun than regulations. Uh, David, can you tell us what's, what's involved in, in, uh, the operations? How do you dispatch and manage uh, how many semi trucks and well, like I don't even know if we know. Do we know how many trucks we have and what's all involved in all this, this dispatching and coordination of all this? I've got I think ten over on my side that I mainly manage, um, and that's tractor trailers. Yes, tractor trailers, and that's from hauling fuel to grain to ingredients. You know, it's just a lot of planning on who needs people the most because obviously we're in a driver shortage at the moment so everyone seems to seem to want drivers to haul loads out yeah does the gas gas do the liquid fuels fall under you also just the transport part just the it. transport liquid yeah. fuels okay good yeah, deal so they, over on our side you know uh we have a lot of stations that we deliver fuel to along with the bulk plants so i mean fuel's always busy we're pulling out of I don't know how many terminals now, but we're all over we're all over Indiana, Kentucky and even into Tennessee now, pulling yeah. out of terminals. Pulling fuel out of Tennessee. Yeah, we're pulling L P out of Indiana and at least Illinois. I yes. know that for sure. So yeah, we're we're getting around on it. So the the eighteen year olds in in intrastate, I guess is the way you yeah, would say that. Yeah, we, we don't we can't utilize that for every every place because we are multi state now. So we are interstate traffic. So and everything we've got in this room showed up on a truck somewhere. Somewhere Absolutely. at some point in time. Yeah, it's an important industry. And I'm glad that we're I'm glad that we've taken the you've stepped up and and others have stepped up to make sure that we can get into the certification process and this training because we need drivers, and it's it's nice to know that we were able to handle some of the stuff in in house. Yeah. Since we got Brian in here, let's talk a little bit about the environmental management that he has to do for Premier Rag. And I imagine that's a big task, uh, both on the fuel side and on the ag side. Yes, lots of lots of regulations. Uh, we're just finishing up with uh, tier twos. Um, What's a tier two for a, our listeners? Tier two is where we're sending a list of each facilities inventory uh, that goes to the federal epa goes to the state and also goes to our local emergency planning committee so we turn in an inventory of what we have at each each site so they kind of know what's where do what's where yeah and how much of it and how often is it there and we do a lot of uh, training locally at the facilities with uh, fire departments first responders uh, they come in once a year probably and uh, kind of tour the facilities get to know the equipment or what we're doing see what's on site yeah it's a very important relationship to have with our with our local fire departments um, we just finished up big anhydrous training a couple of weeks ago for all of premier employees and and the people that handle it and do kind of the maintenance and and work with probably the most deadly substance that we we handle being anhydrous and 
Yep. And internally, once a year, we have to go through, all of us go through the training as well. Yep. So, yep. So internally, not only, you know, not only are we doing hands-on training, we've got to cover all of our OSHA bases that we're doing on a monthly basis. Yeah. I wish we could describe the scale of what that, that it covers at Premier Ag because, you know, farm, customers know that whether it's from the pressure test for the propane customer, the homeowner, or whether it's from the anhydrous wagons that the farmer gets, I mean, top to bottom, everything's checked and on a maintenance schedule. Yes, we currently we have premier facilities that the state chemist has been at in the last week or so, looking at anhydrous tanks, checking dates on pop-off valves, checking dates on hoses, and uh, making sure that we're in compliance. And so there's there's just it's just never ending on what we're what premier employees are, are doing on a daily basis to stay in compliance. Uh, another thing that uh, we talked about the grade facilities uh, and different different ones of these podcasts, but um, you were pretty integral in getting grain tube rescue tubes out uh, in the last couple of years as well uh, to our local fire departments, making sure that they are um, adequately supplied uh, in the event of a rescue, someone getting in an entrapment in a grain bin. So uh, kudos to that for sure. So working with the fire departments and because and, not all the stuff we handle are – necessarily common common every day an event event at an our location you know it needs needs some specialized training so and um, so we're thankful for that any other thing you'd like to add about environmental i think just on on the grain rescue tubes i think it's and we've seen a couple here in the last uh 10 days two weeks on some grain bin issues where we've had some entrapments and we hit six counties a couple of years ago with the uh, grain bin rescues and it, I think where we need to go now is just continue to enforce that training with the fire departments on, uh, you know, on how to use the tubes and, and getting the things to assist the fire departments on training theirs because we're dealing with volunteer fire departments. These aren't full-time firefighters. These are people like you and me and, and our farmers and our, our employees. We have several employees that are volunteer firefighters. So anything that we can do to outreach to help them is, is really important. Explain what that is, a grain rescue tube. So it consists of a set of six to nine, depending on what size you get. They're um, try to describe it without drawing with my hands, but they're they're long pieces of um, steel that get shoved down into the grain. Around you have somebody entrapped. You have six sections that are driven down in around them. This allows you to create an area that will pull, so you can pull the corn out away from them and not allow the corn to come back in and freeze them because most of the time they're either completely buried or uh, I've been in them before and it's, it's hard to imagine, but once you get much above your knees, you're, you're not going to be able to move. You can't pull yourself out of them. You need assistance. Yeah. That's a, uh, if you've ever been a kid in a gravity bed wagon and playing the game, like how far can you go down and not get out? If you're ever the winner, which I won that one time, uh, that's not the game you want to win. No. So I got the farthest down and couldn't get out. So, yeah, that is uh, – glad you're doing that because more education is really what we need. David, do you have anything else for the transportation side? No. Um, just looking forward to getting these classes started. Um, is there a way to reach you for that certification now, or are we ready for that? Are we to that point that we're taking – We're getting close to it. Uh, the classroom portion of getting the CDL and upgrading your CDL, we're not ready quite for that yet. Um, obviously if you get on the training provider registry, uh, my email address is on there where people have actually started reaching out. 
the hazmat portion of it, uh, that's kind of less regulated by the state of Indiana. So the first class of that's going to be on Tuesday. Uh, so we're moving quite along with that one. Good. We may end up just putting a, a, a plug on our website instead of the TPR dot 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 something something dot something <laughs> that we <laughs> yeah. we'll put a button on our website it took yep. me three pages to print that <laughs> <laughs> no that's good and we'll we'll have that on the bottom of the screen as well uh for those watching on youtube but uh brian you got anything else for us not that i can think of okay so no i'm good okay well i'll tell you a shameless promotion of our uh we do have some high ground merchandise now available we have uh the cup sal you can see that it's a be a collector's item. All right, the first generation of them. So the originals. The originals. That's exactly. And then these uh, sweatshirts that you can see in the middle of the table, as well as uh, uh, we have some displayed uh, on the edge of the room. So we'll have those available, and uh, we don't want to see those out on the eBay for sale. We want you to wear those and promote them. Don't be trying to profit off of them. So, but anyway, I wanted to draw that and let everybody know that you can catch us on YouTube, Facebook, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you would find podcasts. So. Nothing further, gents. We'll wrap this one up. Another episode of The High Ground, powered by Premier Companies. Thank Thank you for joining us. Thank you.